You have reached the Geek Elite. Good luck. I know what you're thinking. Did he fire six shots or only five? Well, to tell you the truth in all this excitement, I kind of lost track myself. But being this is a 44 Magnum, the most powerful handgun in the world, and would blow your head clean off, you've got to ask yourself one question. Do I feel lucky? Well, do you, punk? Welcome back to the Mitch and Rich Show. This has been our first show in over a year, so let's do a little bit of recap. Richard <laughs> said that we usually do, this show used to be a lot about movies, but he hasn't watched a lot of movies in the last year. Guess what? Let's talk about our history then. We, we met through a love of movies. We both started off, or I was working at Blockbuster and he joined working at Blockbuster. And we literally stayed out in the parking lot talking till the sun came up after closing, talking about movies. So that is true. That is where our relationship started. It is odd for me to hear at this point that Richard doesn't watch a lot of movies anymore. It it it, it is weird. Um, I don't know. It's just something I think with where the industry is at, like there's just hasn't been a tremendous amount of movies. Uh, Granted, it's in a way weirder spot at the moment, like I said, because of the pandemic and everything. But even a little bit prior to that, um, there's just so many like reboots, remakes, um, you know, just things like that. that I I don't know. There just wasn't a lot that I was like, oh, my gosh, like I have to go see that. And I mean, I, I went from watching. I think I think the most I watched one year was I might be exaggerating this slightly, but I think around like 600 movies in the theater. And then in 2019, I th- think I went five times or six times. So <laughs> I kind of tanked off uh, quite quite heavily uh there that's right jen my my dog uh jarvis is walking around behind me he's getting a little nervous that <laughs> 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 i didn't i even paid, played too much attention to him at, for the last uh five minutes so uh <laughs> yeah um that i get that i get that the the whole reboots remakes re whatever uh reimaginings that that are coming out lately I, I, to me, I've had this conversation with other people too. I, it's what people want. I think it's what the general audiences want. Like, people love to see things that they already kind of understand. Like, you throw out new movies. Look, like Motherless Brooklyn. Motherless Brooklyn came out just before the pandemic, uh, probably at the end of last year. And that's an Edward Norton uh, vehicle he directed and he stars in it. Uh, I believe he wrote it too. It's kind of a crime noir detective story, but nobody's heard of it. Nobody went and saw it. Like it is pretty it's based great. off of a novel. Well, okay, the, there you go. It's based off a novel, but I didn't hear anybody talking about this movie at all. I got a chance to watch it on uh, on Amazon, and I think it's pretty awesome. But is that is that because studios don't want to promote those? Or is it because people aren't interested? Well, Jen says she wanted to see it. And it's funny that you mentioned Motherless Brooklyn specifically because that is one that I actually have watched because that is one where I saw uh, the stuff for it. And I was like, oh, I I really do like Edward Norton. Uh, I have not read the book or anything like that. So I didn't have any previous knowledge to it. Um, But I think the biggest thing with with that is is that – like you said, Edward Norton kind of was at the helm of most of that. I think he was involved with producing, kind of adapting it to the screen, directing, acting, all that sort of stuff. And I, I vaguely remember him talking about it. And I think they shot that movie for around $24 million, um, which is, by Hollywood standards today, I mean, even going back further, I mean, that's basically a shoestring budget. I mean, that's nothing. Um so I think the problem you have in that scenario is the marketing, um, because when you have something like Avengers Endgame, where you know they have like a billion dollar production budget, and probably at least half of that in marketing costs, um, the overall saturation is going to be there, you know. And I and I do feel like I, I agree with you though, because that's kind of like um, oh, what's his name? Um, 
can't think what his name is, but he, he is kind of, and I, I don't know. I typically don't see eye to eye with this person. Usually um, he's the one that wrote the like stoner spy movie with um, the guy from social network. Um, oh, uh, you're talking about fucking John Landis's kid. Max, Max, Max Landis? Landis. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's him, right? And like the, the whole situation there is 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 he has said this for a while that nobody really wants to see original or new like IPs, you know. And uh, I don't know. I feel like it's more of a standpoint of like the industry cannot take as many risks as they once did. Like they, you know, they need everything to be um you know, they need everything to kind of be a larger and larger, you know, cash cow for them. Um, and so I don't know. I don't know. It, it definitely doesn't help if you put a movie out and nobody goes and watches it, like, because that's not going to show that it has a bankability or it's going to make things uh, inside of the industry where people feel like that is a bigger gamble to take a risk on a smaller movie. You know what I mean? Jen says she thinks it comes down to marketing algorithms as well. And then Rebuki says, you just want to see any floof possible. I think she's talking about the dog. Oh, that's probably true. <laughs> I, I, I get it. it. Yeah, it's definitely about marketing. And when you have a Christopher Nolan movie, which is, you know, a, an original and Tenet is going to be huge, they're going to market the hell out of it. Um, I think what it is is that you need to, people are watching their dollars as much as they can most of the time now. And they're going to go to the movie theaters for a big movie. It's, it's got to be something huge. It's got to be a production. You're not going to see, I don't think that too many people want to go see the mid budget movies there anymore. I think studios and, uh, artists and, and whoever's making a movie needs to realize that the home theater is where they need to focus more on. Like people will watch anything that's brand new that's on Netflix. People will watch anything that's brand new on Amazon Prime. Like, and I don't think you even need a lot of marketing for that. I mean, was it Zoop Churro or Zoop Churro? Zero, zero, zero. Thank you. <laughs> I don't feel like it had a lot of marketing at all, but I feel like it it still had pretty good numbers. I mean, not that I got to see the numbers, but I still saw people talking about it. Yeah, and I mean, you know, the, I think the other side of the equation too is going to be really interesting to see how the overall pandemic impacts the industry and and how it starts shifting more and more people to stay at home. Like, obviously, I think once theaters open. And it's kind of like people feel safe again. I do think there will, will be somewhat of a, of a resurgence flood to those because people have been without it for so long. But I also think going forward, this has opened up the doorway for a lot of people to like what Devil's talking about. He says he really wants a home theater set up in his life. And I think a lot of people have already really started pushing towards that during the pandemic and have started investing more money into uh, creating high, like higher quality home theater setups for themselves because of the inability to actually go to the theaters. So I, you know, I agree with you. I think it's a totally different market and I think it'll be interesting to see if that's kind of how the industry continues to go forward and what the trend becomes is that your smaller, you know, more risky type films uh, in terms of their finance or financial aspects, if they might start finding more and more and more success you know, in the home theater market or on digital distribution platforms such as Apple, you know, Netflix, Hulu, whatever, right? Yeah, the print, so, premium VOD market. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, the upside to that, though, is also the situation that, you know, that really didn't exist very heavily before at all. I mean, like, sure, you had the home video market, but even that was still kind of a gamble because people had to go buy the movie. And now with you having uh, subscription services, like being able to just drop, you know, whatever it is, like 10 or 15 bucks a month, you're not really taking a risk on watching that movie anymore fiscally for yourself, you know, like you can totally just watch whatever you want and you can get two minutes into it and be like, okay, well, this movie's crap. I don't like it. I'm not going to continue to watch it. Whereas if you had went and spent, you know, 20 to $30 on like a DVD or a Blu-ray, like you would definitely feel a lot more upset if that movie wasn't good so I, I do think you're right i do think it also does 
open up the gateway for people to be a little bit more liberal in their choices of what they're choosing to watch. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think, I think that the opening of streaming sites has made it so that we have more opportunities for people to make new and original things. It's just, for some reason, still looked down upon. It's, it's the movie people still look down at TV as being TV. And I think that's the big, that's one of the bigger issues. Are you, you're talking more like the, the studio people, right? Though not, you're not talking like the actors and stuff. No, I think I, well, I don't know. I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's, I honestly think it's a little bit of both. I think, I think some movie stars still think of, oh, well, that's TV. And I think, I definitely think a lot of studios think that, no, that's, that's not where we're going to make our money. Yeah. And I mean, I, I, you know, I think a large portion of that has to do with potentially who's still in control uh, of the higher up positions in the industry, too, because I think you do still have a lot of older people that maybe don't understand the value of the technology. But again, I think that's where we're going to I really think we're going to see a pretty, pretty interesting shift in the industry in general coming out of the pandemic, whenever that ends up actually being right. Um, but, but I do agree with you. I think there are some really old school people that kind of look at it and, and do put television as a second class citizen, regardless of whether that's actual, you know, television or if that's exclusive programming for a, a streaming platform. I think there are still a lot of people that have this older mindset um, that that is a second class citizen of entertainment. However, I mean, I think there's enough proof there now that that's just simply not true i mean at one point or the other throughout the pandemic like netflix's stocks were worth more than disney um which is honestly mind-boggling to hear and then um you know apple has just been purchasing stuff left and right and i you know um i think it was jennifer aniston and reese witherspoon that were pulling in about two million an episode for uh the morning show i think is what it's called yeah it's called the morning. and i mean you know, if you figure you're pulling that in and your commitments may be a little bit less than a movie sometimes, sometimes it's more. It depends on how many episodes and all that sort of stuff. But I mean, there's a lot of money in exclusive content. And I think as that market continues to get more and more saturated and more and more uh, platforms to, you know, tend to get involved, it's going to just start exponentially increasing those numbers, you know, Um it's not the normality, but like the $10 million they spent for the Battle of the Bastards in, you know, Game of Thrones, which was a sequence. It's not even a full episode was a sequence of an episode uh, is pretty nuts. I mean, like that is pretty crazy. So I, I don't know. It'll definitely be interesting. Well, OK, so then that that's brings me to a different thing. It was like. With what you like, what you said, Apple is buying things up, I think a lot of studios and even streaming platforms at this point are are going to go back and buy up a lot of things that were made but never shown to the public so just mm-hmm. so that we can have things for them to see or have things for people to see because right now uh you know people aren't making movies the, i mean i i know there are stories going out there right now saying that hollywood is opening up next week like next you know in the next week next month whatever uh people are going back to shoots and stuff like that we're you do you think since you're a person that's that works in the industry and has worked in the industry do you think that we are going to see a shift in what type of movies are made are we going to see a lot more animated movies with voice actors are we going to see a lot more um movies that take place in sound stages so that there's less people like you don't have extras you won't have background actors like I mean, until there's a vaccine for this, you, you the more people you have around, the the more chances you are of catching, right? No, I mean, the, I mean, statistically, I would say that that's true. Yes. Uh, real quick, uh, Doctor Kai says, "Is this the interview that you were supposed to do for fantasy football, or did I miss that one?" Ha 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 ha. 
that's a fake laugh, Dr. Kai's just for you. Um, no, I already, I already did that uh, interview. That was on Hey Mitch. So this, what we're doing here is uh, we are starting back up the Mitch and Rich show, which was on like at least a year hiatus because of my faults. Um, <laughs> and so we're we're starting that show back up. And this is our first, uh, we're going to try to do live recordings and, and get the uh, chat and the community and stuff involved a little bit more. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of what we're doing here. Uh, to go back and to answer uh, your question, um, yes, I, I do think we might see a shift in in the type of movies that we're watching, but I don't necessarily think it's going to be um, large scale animation or soundstage, and I'll, and I'll tell you why. And and the biggest reason for the animation is because it takes a tremendous amount of time historically to actually make those films. I do think animation in 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 general probably will see a bit of an uptick because you're right there is a lot of there's it's it's more suited if you will to be able to allow for work uh, remote work if you will right and even recording you know the voiceovers and the dialogue and all that sort of stuff yeah there's a lot of times where you could probably do that remotely i mean especially as audio equipment has continued to get better and better um and it really doesn't i mean you don't really need the same elaborate setups that you needed you know 20 years ago uh, to really do those types of of dialogue recording. Is it going to be as good? Maybe, maybe not. But I still think animation in general is going to take a tremendous amount of time to actually make a full film because you literally have to create every single element of of that movie. You know what I mean? Like every like blade of grass or every prop or everything that's in the background, like all that has to be made and then the animation itself, right? Um I do think we are going to see more, but I don't know that it's going to be on a massive scale. I think we'll see perhaps more smaller or lesser known people start putting out animated movies that they had probably already been working on these for a really long time and they can finish them up and sell them. Um, and I think that's also kind of the same situation with sound stages because a lot of what I've read is the problem that they're already running into with the um, production pipeline is that there is a finite amount of sound stages that can actually support a lot of these mega blockbuster or larger blockbuster type films. And so all of them are already um, getting into like bidding wars and competing for the time slots to be able to use those. And I've seen some people that have already speculated that most of your, you know, triple A films will increase by 30 to 40% on their budgets because of the lack of sound stages or or qualified spaces for them to film, which is another reason I think we might actually start seeing more smaller indie type films, if you will, because you can shoot with a smaller crew. You can go to a location and use that location if it's something that you can close down or can control. Um, and then you're not getting into these like substantially large bidding wars with these full-blown production sound stages that everyone is competing to get their movie into you know yeah no i mean that's what i i guess that's what i'm getting at with my main question is that next year 2021 we'll have the influx of movies that we didn't get to see this summer starting back in march like all those movies that that got canceled or uh postponed but after that, there's got to be a lull, right? There's going to be uh, a gap where because movies weren't being made. What do you what do you think the studios are going to do to fill that those that those spots? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, the the other thing that's interesting too is, I mean, there's a lot of studios, especially the larger ones, that have a huge backlog of films that they have made that they have never released. Um, yeah, it, it happens all the time where they purchase a film that's already completed or they get a film that's done and it's just there for whatever one reason or another, it doesn't actually get released. Um, so I think, you know, maybe we'll start seeing some more things like that. Um, personally, I think that is the only reason we are getting the Zack Snyder cut, um, hey. which, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm 100% positive that that's the only reason that we're getting that movie. And they, I, from what I've heard, they did give him some money to go back and do some reshoots or whatever. Yeah. Um, they gave him $40 million. Yeah. And it's not reshoots. It's like additional things. photography or something, right? Yeah, because they're not going to get any of the actors to come back because if you get the actors to come back, they'd have to sign re-sign contracts and that's a whole lot more 
like ball of wax that they'd have to deal with. That is true. Yeah. But I, I still think that's the only reason we're getting that. Yeah, I, like, honestly, I'm, I'm pretty positive we would have never seen the Zack Snyder cut if, if it wasn't for COVID, because I think it's the same thing. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, it is going to be interesting. There is a, a there's a never ending flow of of content that has been produced either on a larger scale or even on uh, a smaller, more independent scale. And I think if anything, you know, we might start seeing more of those smaller films get purchased because there's a again, even as independent filmmakers, there are a lot of people that have completed films that they're just sitting there because they never got purchased, they never got sold, um, and maybe it was because at the time frame they just didn't have a good viable way to kind of make money off of it or to distribute it to theaters or whatever. But now, you know, if there's literally nothing else to fill those gaps or, you know, those cracks or whatever you want to call them, uh, they might start turning to that. They might just, you know, be like, well, it's this or nothing. So let's throw something in there. Yeah. Like, uh, the CW network is next fall is going to air, an, a TV edited version of the Swamp Thing or the Swamp Thing series that they had on DC Universe. So you can see already that, you know, their network television is also scrambling for programming at this point. Um, was it Supergirl and Stargirl or already moved over to HBO Max, I believe, which both, well, Supergirl's on CW and oh, I'm sorry, not Supergirl, Batwoman. Batwoman is on. Uh, HBO Max. And I think that's the the thing was that HBO Max was they one, I don't know if you've got it or not, but I am very disappointed in it as a streaming streaming platform. Like platform. it's not giving me anything more than what HBO was already doing as a streaming platform. Um I think they have like like two shows that I there's the there's the Muppet stuff that I, I guess I'm just not interested in going to look at, but uh, there's the Anna Kendrick show, uh, which is okay, not great, but it's it's just they had nothing just to open up with, and then they're they I, I think they were banking on being able to make more things, but then yeah, like you said, the pandemic hit, so the best thing to do was to give Zack Snyder some money to let him finish up Justice League that they didn't that they took away from him. Um, once again, I don't know if that's <laughs> I don't know if that's a a good thing. I if letting the the hashtag win, so to speak, it's it's sets a scary precedent. Now I understand that Sonic did the exact same thing, and they got the the filmmakers there to uh, redesign the the Sonic character, which I'll I'll just I'll go out and say I just just watched recently, like uh, yesterday for the first mm-hmm. time. It was it was an okay movie. Like it was just exactly what I thought it was going to be. I had laughs. Well, yeah. I mean, I I don't know. My my again, like Sonic isn't pulling from the most in depth, lore rich, yeah. you know, source exactly. material. So I feel like the 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 bar for that is set kind of low coming out of the gate. And and the biggest thing I think that people got upset with there was more of the design of Sonic, but. Again, they went back and, and like you said, they changed that. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, people have been asking for the Zack Snyder thing for years. And if it's really a situation of like, okay, well, we can throw this money down and we can at least make a 10% return on it and and get something out the door. I think that's kind of what they were more concerned about, or at least that's what it, it feels like. But I think TV's in a, you know, network television, so to speak. And even some of the digital distribution platforms are in... Um, they're in an easier space than like your studios are because again, they can start buying up all sorts of, you know, old sitcoms, old movies, you know, they can start really doubling down on investing and licensing, um, you know, the streaming rights for all of this content that's existed throughout all of the, you know, television history and all of cinematic history. Right. Whereas if you're a studio and like you have to rely on, all of those other things like you have to rely on having a movie go to the theaters you have to rely on 
the ancillary income of 75 different variations of the star Wars character that you put in your new movie or whatever. Like, yeah, I could see you being in a, in a much more like state of panic um, to get your content into those theaters. And then the other question that I have in regards to that even is uh, Alamo draft house filed for bankruptcy. Uh, AMC uh, is pretty close if they haven't already done it from what I understand how many more of these theater chains are going to go bankrupt before this is over or are going to go bankrupt shortly after this is over? And I think that's a whole nother dynamic that is, that most people aren't even looking at here is, I mean, AMC, I believe, is one of the largest it movie the chains. Largest, it's the largest chain in America. Yeah. So, I mean, if they literally just evaporate uh, overnight, if you will, right? It's obviously not overnight, but you know what I'm saying? Like if it's gone before any of those things can come back, how many, th- you know what I mean? Are you now competing to actually get, you know, are theaters going to have a bit of an upper hand or are they going to start charging a premium to studios to get your uh, movie on more screens? You know what I mean? Like how is that going to play into it? If there's literally, I mean, this is a hyper-exaggeration probably, but let's assume that half of the theaters across the United States or globally even are just gone now. It means we have more churches. It means we have what? We have more churches. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Movie theaters always end up turning into churches for some reason. That is true. That's weird. Um, Could be. Uh, no, I Can you imagine I, being in church and having that sweet ass recliner though now, like because they all went to like the sweet recliner, so now you can be all like, like you know, drop down and then they're like, I'm an old sand, eat your popcorn, like it would be amazing. Uh, I don't, yeah, if if all half the theaters in, in the country just happen to um close down in a blink of an eye, so to speak, it's yeah, it would be it would be quite devastating because that. That number is also very, um, very important when they're reporting their numbers the the, the uh, after the opening weekend, right? This mm-hmm. this movie made twenty three million dollars on two thousand screens opening across the country. Like it's it's important for that, but whether or not they'll start having to bid on movies, I think that seems a little extreme. I mean, it 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 does. Uh, and again, I, I'm not saying that I necessarily think that that's going to happen. But I mean, if if you do end up in a situation, though, where you have all of these backed up movies that were supposed to come out in 2020 and they like, let's hypothetically, because Disney traditionally does this, like, let's say they buy like 70 percent of the screens in the U.S., which is probably not too unrealistic because I mean, every time you see one of their Marvel movies or star Wars or something there, like it's every, like there's like a showing every 15 minutes, you know? So if you stop and think about that though, if half of those screens or more end up just being gone, I don't know as a theater owner, you could end up in a, in an interesting situation where you're like, okay, well you want to show it on half of my movie screens in my theater. I'm going to need you to pay me more money. You know, I, 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 I'm not saying that I, I I don't necessarily know that it'll go to that extreme, but I think it's interesting to, to see if maybe, you know, how bad this, and again, like we're still in a very unknown situation too, with when the pandemic's going to really be open, when, you know, people are going to feel safe enough to go back out, um, which I don't know. I mean, people are going out. So, I mean, that's kind of, here or there but you know there's still a lot of people without jobs without money there's still you know the demand for for all capitalist things in our country are still down um so i don't know i mean i I feel like when you're looking at a situation of putting food and keeping your electricity on versus going to the movie theater those other things are probably going to win out. So it's just an interesting situation to see what might happen if we do end up losing a tremendous amount of, of theater chains and, and screens and how that might also impact the dynamic and the power between the studio and, and the theaters, which traditionally I think has been more heavily favored to the studios than the theaters themselves. Okay. So coming out of the pandemic how many movies do you think we're going to see 
movies and TV shows do you think we're going to see that have to do with one, a pandemic, two, Zoom meetings, <laughs> and three, uh, you know, teleworking? Well, um, it's a, I don't know. It is an interesting situation and it, and it is smart in one regard too, because the, one of your big things as a, any media content creator, not just films, it doesn't matter if it's books, comics, anything like that is to create something that, um, your audience can connect to. And people have a very easy time connecting to things that they can relate to. It's why Charlie Chaplin was so successful is like he came from uh, a background of of being an orphan and poverty. And, um, you know, when the Great Depression hit, like he knew how to captivate that audience because he came from that background. And so I I do think we will see a pretty good uptick of movies that somehow tie an element of all this into it because again as as any sort of content creator um you would be also kind of like throwing away an opportunity to have some sort of instant connection and relatability with your audience like certainly there's other ways uh, but I do think we will see I, I do think we will see more than you would expect or I, I mean, I hope not, because I don't think it's that exciting to watch like a Zoom horror movie, per se. Uh, I think we kind of already got one. It was like Unfriend or whatever yeah, that was called. Like we have three Unfriended movies and you have Searching, which is supposed to get a sequel as well. I, I think screen life genre movies are going to be a big boost here pretty soon, like or at least in the next year or so. Uh, yeah. Because that is a way to to film people, you know, with a very small crew, you know, no background actors, all that, you know, kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. not There's none of that. You typically don't have to buy or, or rent very expensive, like, lighting equipment or cameras. I mean, like, your overall production cost, if you were filming something through Zoom, and I would imagine uh, if you actually did make an entire movie with or through Zoom or any of these platforms, they would probably throw some funding your way too, because that's a huge commercial for them. Oh, yeah. um, I, I know Apple had some some incentives and things like that, where if you you know filmed on an iPhone, they would give you some money way back when and um, things like that. So, I mean, yeah, it, it, I definitely think you're right. I think it, it's, it's very plausible that we're going to see a, a pretty significant uptick in media content that is centered around these things. I've also heard people want to call the, the, the younger generation, uh, zoomers, uh, but it would obviously play on the boomers, but, and I mean, we're going to obviously have a, probably another baby boom. I mean, everybody's been locked in their house <laughs> with very little to do for the past, you know, six to nine months. So I, I do think we might see a second uh, generation of, of babies also coming out of the pipeline pretty quick here. I mean, it's a very good, very big possibility. It's, you know, it's, it's true. People tend to, to procreate when they have nothing else to do. It's a true story, or so I'm told. <laughs> so, of the movies that have been postponed or canceled due to uh, pandemic, mm-hmm. what is it that you? I mean, obviously, you weren't going to the movies already, as we yeah. But was there anything that you were looking forward to that you didn't get to see? Um, there's. T- Two movies that I believe were supposed to come out this year, I think. Um, and I believe they were supposed to come out on the same day. Do you have any guesses? Two movies that were supposed to come out this year and came out on the same day? I believe so. I believe so. I could be wrong. It might have been next year, but I'm pretty sure it was this year. Are you thinking of Matrix 4 and John Wick? Yes, I am. Yeah, that's supposed to be next year. Okay, we'll see. Then I was already off. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> and they both moved their dates. I think. I, I know it's so dumb. Why? I was like, I was like Keanu Day. It's like supposed to be a national holiday. <laughs> I mean that, that that's going to be interesting. Have you looked at anything about what what Matrix Four is going to be? Or they haven't actually titled it Matrix Four, but like, have no. you looked at any of that? Like, I you know haven't. that yeah, yeah, Abdul. Uh, Mateen is going to be in the movie. A lot of people were speculating that he's going to be a young version of Morpheus. I don't know if that's true or not. I Or he might even be Morpheus's son is another one that they're throwing out there. Uh, I just honestly am interested in what could possibly be the story they're going to go for. Like, what? where are they going to go from here? 
with that? I yeah, I don't even know. Uh, that that's been kind of my question from the beginning of all this. But I mean, I guess that was kind of my question when they were like, "We're doing John Wick Chapter Two. I was like, "Hmm." But then I was like, "Okay." I mean, I'm in. Like, it's John Wick. Let's go. And now they're like a fourth one. I'm like, sure. I mean, they made ten Fast and Furious movies. Like, why not? Let's go crazy. But I agree with you. I, I I generally don't know. I actually recently went back and rewatched um, the original Matrix. I still need to watch uh, Reloaded and Revelations. But uh, yeah, I don't know because I remember Revelations wrapping up in a way that uh, was pretty much done, like or it felt really done. So I don't know. But again, it's been it's been a good while since I've seen it. So I I, I agree with you. I have no clue where. And and then what a missed opportunity in some instances too that you already used like reloaded because you that would have been a better one now maybe I don't know <sighs> I guess it just depends but yeah I, I don't know and, and then that's interesting too like are they going to get into like these weird multi timeline things where like it's old Neo but young Morpheus or uh, yeah. that's the that's the strange I mean. I think I think since it's also a it's all about computers and stuff like Matrix rebooted or Matrix restarted could also be a good thing. But uh, yeah, you just there's a lot of things that you could do. But where do you go from at the end of revolutions? Like, oh, the, yeah, Re- I said revelations. Yeah, revolution. Uh it was Neo dead and uh, Trinity is dead. I think Morpheus is still alive, but like, how are you bringing those three characters back? It's a good question. Uh, Helltrek says they should call it Matrix BSOD, uh, which would be a pretty amazing title for the <laughs> blue screen of death. Uh, it's it's had a Windows ninety five crash error and uh, it no longer operates. I I don't know. Um, I think, you know, the one thing that's fascinating is that, um, you know, there's a scene where he talks to like the architect and the architect basically is talking about all of the uh, cycles that they've gone through and how he's not the first one. Um, so, I mean, it could be a situation like that where it's, you know, the cycle completed the way that it was supposed to. And now it's like restarting, but perhaps it's slightly different because, you know, Neo did make changes. And I mean, that wouldn't be that far fetched. I don't think either. And so maybe, you know, this new character is the descendant of Morpheus, but now he's the one question marks. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's completely in the realm of possibilities. It it could be that neo comes in to figuratively hand off the baton to the next one so to speak and and you get the new set of you know uh trilogy movies yeah i, I don't know it would be it would be weird um <laughs> it's gonna be weird no matter what i think i don't know it, it, it's definitely gonna be interesting to see where they take it but um I don't know. What about you, though? Is there anything that was supposed to come out this year? Because I know, I know you're definitely you probably have like ten movies. Uh, I'm sure, but uh, what, what were some of the movies that you were really excited for that now you know you can't really watch? Well, honestly, I mean, I, I'm I'm a big comic book person, so I was looking forward to Black Widow. Like Black, Black Widow was going to be a movie that I was super into. Be, mostly, not, not mostly, but one of the big reasons is because of Taskmaster, one of my favorite characters in the comic books, and the fact that he was or at least the character was going to make his his MCU appearance in that uh movie i was super excited for now i don't even know when they've rescheduled that movie for at this point i think it's I think the last i heard was was august but i'm sure that's going to have to change too uh we you know mulan hit what it had its world premiere right before everything closed down so people in hollywood got to see it uh uh, it got great reviews, and then nobody else got to see it. It didn't, it didn't open up in theaters, so that that got moved. Uh, James Bond, James Bond got moved. I wanted to, I, you know, I'm I'm excited to see Daniel Craig's last Bond movie. See what see what he does there, because, and I know this is sacrilege to most movie people, but Daniel Craig is my favorite Bond. Like that's the Bond that I enjoyed to see. 
Uh, oh, who do you think should replace him? Who who do I think should replace him? Yeah, honestly, I think there are a lot of great people, but I couldn't quite tell you off the top of my head. I think they should definitely go for someone that's in their uh, mid to late twenties. I think you should go for something a little bit younger. I think you have to do the the refi- the refined thing. Like I liked that with Daniel Craig's, he got a little bit grittier with the with the the hand to hand fighting. But I think most people didn't get really excited about Daniel Craig's Bond until he got the gadgets in the car, like kind of yeah. stuff. So Heltrek says that he believes or thinks that Daniel Craig is an amazing addition to the Bond legacy. So he agrees with you. Oh, well, thank you, Heltrek. I think that's, uh, yeah, I think that, I mean, everybody goes to Sean Connery, right? They go to Sean Connery as their Bond. Uh, Pierce Brosnan was the first Bond that I watched. So I, I always have that. But it's, I just, I enjoyed Daniel Craig's out of all, all the Bonds. I think the the interesting thing with Daniel Craig and and you kind of like started to like I guess allude to it a little bit was that it felt and I know that you've said this before and this has kind of always been your argument with James Bond uh, is that traditionally he's not good at what he does he just he gets lucky like he's the luckiest spy in the planet and (laughs) I think maybe the luckiest person because some of that shit you should be dead. But I think that's the interesting thing about Daniel Craig and and the approach that happened to a lot of the movies that he was in where they were a little bit more grounded in like a believable reality. They weren't so over the top that you were like, oh, my gosh, because I think you can still have gadgets Mm. and create a gritty believability. But I do agree with you that a lot of the older films were like very very over the top when it came to some of that so i think that's a a reason that i would agree with you that i think daniel craig is has been probably my favorite bond as well heltrek says that he would love to see how idris elba stacks up in that role yeah i want to see idris elba in everything i love idris (laughs) elba i think he's a great actor but at this point he's aged out of the role like Hmm. if you want to have old bond fine let's do it Throw Idris Elba in there, but I think the idea is to have uh, a younger Bond that can stay in there for a little while. So, do you have someone in mind? I mean, I know that you were kind of saying someone maybe in their mid twenties, but I mean, is there any actor that like is jumping out at you specifically, or or up and comer perhaps? No, nothing, nothing specifically right now that's coming. To, like, I guess now that you said Idris Elba, maybe John Boyega. Like, uh, you can maybe get him in there. Uh, that that wouldn't be that wouldn't be a hmm. bad idea. Um, that would be interesting, actually. But I, not nobody particular comes to my mind. Uh, solid Gun says Sean Connery was his favorite Bond. Yeah, and and that's solid. Like you know, that is the Bond that most people get introduced to first. Like Sean Connery is James Bond. No, that's fair. Um, hmm, I'm trying to think of who is like in that age range that would be good like who you know because like i agree there is like a certain legacy of like charismatic badass and you have to be it's it's almost like batman right like there's people that have been really good at bruce wayne or really good at the batman but not unified in the center of those things and i feel like that's also what I would like to see out of a James Bond, because I don't want to see them find someone who can't do the stunts and the gritty side of it and only has like the, you know, dashingly good charm. And and then you have to go back to this like James Bond that's just, oh, well, I've got bulletproof umbrellas and, you know, <laughs> that sort of shit. Like, I, you know, I want to see like some serious, like gritty, like I'm going to you up type stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I, I get that. It's just. I don't know. I, I see that Heldrick put Benedict Cumberbatch in as much as I like Benedict Cumberbatch. I don't think I'd ever see him past Sherlock Holmes, like especially if he's doing something like that. Yeah, it's hard to get away from from Sherlock, too. Uh, uh, I, I don't know with him. Like, he's another one that I think he's got the charm. 
but I got a hard time buying him like people up, you know, like, I don't know if it, if it's like more of like Craig's bond where it's like a, a lot more nitty gritty, if you will, I have a hard time buying. I don't know why I just, I don't see him as that person. That's like, I'm going to use Krav Maga and jujitsu and like smash your trachea and bust your face in. Like, I just, mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you personally think that it still needs to be a British actor? I, you know, no, I don't, but I'm not British. So it's very easy for me to say that. But I know a lot of people would probably get so pissed off if if there was like an American or a non-British person. But no, personally, I don't think so. If you're an actor, you're an actor. You should be able to do the role. Like, it's that simple. Yeah. Like, I mean. For me. I mean, you don't get. we. we <laughs> I know it's a weird comparison, but, you know, Superman. American character played by British actor, Batman played by British actor until Ben Affleck, you know, it's, it's Spider-Man, Tom Holland's British actor. It's, it's okay. They're, they should be allowed to, right? I think so. The Americans don't need to ruin. <laughs> I mean, well, we kind of already did with doing triple X, right? We already ruined bond movies by trying to do our own version. Don't ever disgrace the great name of Xander Cage. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we only got, what, three of those? And only two of those had Vin Diesel in it. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, that's... that's Because yeah, the second one was... Unless you count... Isn't there a video game, too? Yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't really count that, I don't think. I just meant that Bale, who was a British actor... Uh, was Batman until Ben Affleck came. And then now we have another British actor playing Batman. Uh, oh, that's that's, that's what I was doing at until Ben Affleck. And you're like, not into that, right? Like I remember when they were like Robert Pattinson and you were like, I'm going to burn this mother down. Well, that might be an exaggeration. I don't think you were quite that angry, but I think that was a little bit of an exaggeration, but and I know I, everybody's like, you need to give him a try. You need to watch his movies other than twilight. So one, I've only ever seen two Twilight of the four movies. Uh, I too, too many. Yeah, it's too, too many. <laughs> I saw him in, I remember seeing him in the one part of Harry Potter that he wa- that he was in. Since his announcement, I've gone and watched a few of his movies now. And sh- yeah, he's a, he's a very dedicated actor. I'll, I'll Wh- give which, that. which few movies I watched. Watch? High Life, I watched Good Time, I watched, uh, what was the one about the, about the 9-11, uh, Remember Me, and I feel like there was another one in there, but did, all I'm did saying- Did you watch Metropolis? I did not see- Met- Or Lighthouse? I didn't watch Lighthouse, because that okay. one just seemed a little too out there for me, particularly. <laughs> Like it's, yeah, it's that's probably like why I want to watch it. And killing of a sacred deer out there kind of movies. Um, what hmm. was what did you say? Metropolis was the name of the movie. I thought it was it's something like that. Oh, Metropolis. I know uh, you did Casanova. But anyways, what I'm saying is that I didn't really see anything in those movies that made me think he could be Batman or Bruce Wayne. Well. But I'm here. I'll, I'll, I'm going to go see the movie. So he he's he can only do better than what's in my mind. <laughs> uh, I think it was called Cosmopolis. Cosmopolis. That sounds right. Yeah, I, I was see. way off. <laughs> Bamsonite. Um, no, I think I, I don't know if that you would necessarily. I don't. I don't think that's really your type of movie either. But. Um, that's definitely one where I saw him in where I was like, okay, cool. Like, yeah, you know, like I could see this. Like he does have more range than I think what you get. And like, I, I had watched good times. I thought he did really good in that movie. So how do you feel about good time and uncut gems? Cause I know you, you watched uncut gems and told me, uh, I wasn't going to like it. And I completely forgot about that. And we didn't watch <laughs> uncut gems. And I hate every second of that movie. <laughs> Well, first of all, I'd like to say that uh, I was right and you, you didn't were. like it, which is great. <laughs> um, so here's my thing. I because <clears throat> those books is, are, are directed by the Safety brothers. Uh, yes. It's, and, and it's you, you can tell it's it's very much made by the same people. You have a 
protagonists, and I use that word very loosely, but you really do not like these people. Like it is, it is a movie falling around terrible fucking people. <laughs> uh, no, that's you're not wrong. Um, so this is, I guess, this is me talking about uncut gems for a second here. So I don't like it. But I respect it in the sense that it does everything that you're supposed to do as a filmmaker. And what I mean by that is, is that I have yeah. Well, that's yeah. What I mean by that is that I have never felt so disgusting leaving a theater like and 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 it it that's my thing as, as a storyteller as a filmmaker your main objective is to get people to experience something it's to get them to feel something they don't necessarily have to like those things that you are making them experience or feel but you are trying to completely envelop them into what you're doing and that movie, although it's not an experience that I liked while watching it, like I do have to give them credit for making this unbelievable film that gets under your skin from start to finish. And it it really does a, a, a an amazing job of like basically waterboarding you into the world that they're trying to to convey in the film. And even Adam Sandler, I mean, I don't think I've seen a performance that strong from him since maybe like Punch Drunk Love, where I think there was only maybe one or two times where he did kind of like a Sandlerism and was like, do me to do or whatever. And I was like, oh, there he is. But like 99% of that movie, I completely forgot that it was even Adam Sandler. Like I was so detached from it. And they also do such a, a, a really great job of just showcasing you how uh, showcasing to you how destructive and grotesque uh, addiction and more specific uh, gambling addiction can be. And again, that's another thing you do as a storyteller or, or what we're taught as storytellers is to, you know, take your characters and put them in the absolute worst positions possible and never let up, you know, and, and they do all of those things. And again, the sound design, I don't like it, but it does a very good job of making everything disjointed and chaotic and like submersive in the way that they want to. And, and I mean, the last, I don't know, maybe 10 minutes of that movie, I don't even think I was breathing. I was like, Oh my gosh, like what is going to happen? But then it, it, it ends. And I was like, yeah, I don't think I liked it, but I feel something like I, I fundamentally had an experience that is deniable. And I think that still warrants some sort of, of interest to me. I think that's still doing something right. Even if you didn't enjoy it, if that makes sense. No, that, I mean, that all makes sense. And you're right. It, 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 it evokes all the emotion and feeling that the directors were wanting to evoke. Like you, you are not supposed to care. You're not supposed to want this guy to win. You're not supposed to uh, fall in love with the character. But honestly, if I'm going to watch a movie, that's what I want to do. I want, I want a flawed, flawed hero, but I also want to care about him. Like I, I want, <laughs> to be to root for him or her like it doesn't to me it doesn't make any sense to to spend my time watching this guy self-destruct or you know destroy everybody around him well and you see and here's the interesting thing though for 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 me at least is and and maybe this speaks a lot to me as a person which maybe isn't good now that i'm thinking of it but i i was rooting for him like there were so many times and not 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 and hear me out hear me out hear me out okay. like not not in the way of like oh this is a great upstanding guy but more of like the way of like i just i want to have faith in you as a human that you will eventually stop king up that you will stop you know, this and that you will get onto a, a path that is better for you because there's so many opportunities. And this is why I say I think they did a great job of showcasing the struggle of addiction is because there's so many times in that film where he comes out on top and he should just walk away. And any any normal or quote unquote normal person would have been like, I dodged a bullet. 
uh, I'm done. I'm calling it a day, but he's addicted to it. He can't do that. And I, and, and I still, there's still that humanistic part of me. That's like, Oh, I want something good to happen to this guy, even though the stuff he's doing is horrible. And, and I don't know, maybe that's, uh, maybe my brain is flawed, but that's what I felt. And, and even then I still don't think I liked the movie, but I genuinely was like, I hope this dude gets a win and can walk away like that. He can win and like hang it up and like be like, okay, I'm done. And and if anybody hasn't watched the movie, you'll have to see what happens. But I wanted that through the whole movie. Yeah. I mean, and that's, but see, that's also in the idea for uh, uh, a gambling holic person, like a win is the worst thing that they can get. Cause that only, like reiterates the that feel that high that they get so they're going to chase right. it again by taking whatever they won and and I mean a win is in is is in good things happening yeah. to him like, like him correcting you know not not driving the the boat towards the waterfall and off the edge you know like him to be like oh you know the person in the crow's desk was like oh there's a, there's a you know there's a waterfall we gotta go and then him be like oh let's turn the ship around you know like that's what I was I don't mean like I wanted him to you know keep winning and be more addicted. <laughs> Uh, okay, Richard, I think by the next time we record, I need you to have watched at least one movie. Okay, what what movie am I watching? It doesn't matter, just something you hadn't oh. seen. Okay. It could Anybody be in chat got a recommendation? I'm down. I'm down yeah. to watch them. Throw out some, some recommendations. Richard has not watched a movie in uh, a year or two, so you, you'll have a lot to, to choose from. I mean, I've watched, I've watched some. It's, it, I've, it's been turned down significantly, but I, I've watched some. Rubber. I've actually seen Rubber. Uh, I, the, the director of that, his name's like Quentin something. He's like, uh, he's like a French guy. He made a movie called Wrong. Uh, if you haven't seen that Hell Trek, I definitely recommend it. It's, uh, it's quite fascinating. But a serial killer uh, tire is, is a very interesting concept for a horror movie. <laughs> Nevertheless, Wait, would you consider that a horror movie? I mean, it's it technically is. Okay, it's it's like a darker comedy, but I think it's it's masking itself more as a uh, a horror Ooh, film. Miami Connection. I have not actually seen. I that. haven't seen that either. Um, is that Miami? I heard. Uh, I heard the How did this get made? Um, podcast talk about that one. It sounds. Like it is so ridiculous, and I mean, sure, I'll I'll watch it with you, or at least uh, yeah, try and find it and watch it. We should we should like try to stream it like on the we we should do it as a movie night on like Discord. Okay, we can do we that. Can, we can watch it all together and <laughs> and experience this. Uh, it looks like it's okay. I will say this: I just pulled it up and I'm looking at it. And like it's already got this sweet, sweet like '80s vibe going to it. It's pink and blue, which are the channel colors. Uh, it very much looks like the the same type of character that's in Kung Fury, with like the black shirt with like the rolled up sleeves and the headband and like blue jeans. Kind of already all in on this. You understand though that when they did it for Kung Fury, it's all about the nostalgia of the '80s. This was actually True. made in the '80s. This is oh, was it? No, it wasn't. Oh, I said, oh, was it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Sweet. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm still you. I still have nostalgia for the '80s. Everything '80s. I'm, I'm, in, I, I'm totally good with it. Okay. Listen, I fall asleep every night watching these kinds of movies. Every night, so it's all track. <laughs> that is commendable. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, if it, if it you, yeah. We're, so, is there a place that we could watch this? Is there a place we can stream it? Do you know Helltrek? Oh, that's a good. Yeah, that's a great question. Actually, I will say this: this might be the first movie that I have ever clicked on in IMDb, and there is not a single cast photo. Not one person that's listed in the cast has a profile picture. Sounds oh, good. it's on Amazon Prime. Even better. <laughs> that's amazing. Okay, so there we go. Our assignment, as thrown out by Helltrek, is to uh, watch Miami Connection and come back next week and talk about it amongst the other things we want to talk about. Uh, Richard, as we used to end the show, how can people find you online? 
Well, <laughs> they're already here at the moment, but uh, you can go to Twitch. Just to the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you could go to twitch.tv slash Ry Cohen and the number one R-I-C-O-W-N and the number one. Or you can go to Twitter and find me at Ry Cohen uh, on there as well. Yeah, and uh, make sure to go to our Discord page and and uh, be a friend or follow it, I guess. Jump on the server. Whatever you do at Discord, just, you just join. Join. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> Uh, so you can uh, make sure you find out when we're going to be doing that, streaming that movie uh, for everybody to talk about at the same time. Okay. You want to find me on Twitter and talk to me about the movies that I talk <laughs> about. You can find me. I am at Mitchipedia, G-E-M. G-E-M stands for Geek Elite Media. The rest of Geek Elite Media is at Geek Elite Media on Twitter, at Geek Elite Media on Instagram, and Facebook.com forward slash Geek Elite Media is our Facebook page. Check out archived episodes of this podcast because they're still there. And other podcasts on our network on our website, geekleetmedia.com. Please, on whatever podcatcher you use, rate and review this podcast so that it can help spread the word of what we are doing here. But until next time, this is the Mitch and Rich Show on the Geekly Media Network saying, always remember to geek out. Geek out. This concludes our broadcast. Beep.